Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is September 13th, 2021, and this is episode 44. I'm your co-host, Pete. With me, as always, is my good friend, Howell. Hey, pal. Hey, bud. Um, we were just catching up before this episode started, and we were like, why are we doing this off air? Let's just do it on air. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we ever just catch up? On yeah, and make everyone it. suffer suffer through our banal catch-ups. Where, mm-hmm. Although banal. it's probably good most of our stuff is off-air because we would get canceled pretty quickly, I think, yes. if uh, it ever did see the light of day. Yeah, that's a solid um, Yeah. Um, what's going on? Nothing. As I was telling you, I did a little um, oh, golf, right. golf tournament today for my kids' school. A little fundraiser action. It was fun. Had a good time. Scramble. Have a little, have a little white wine here to in a, in a mason white. jar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was moonshine. All... I, I was giving you way more street cred. Well, I shouldn't have said anything. Oh, sorry. This is a nice Pinot Grigio. Well, you're you're going to get canceled anyway. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what I you did, mean. We, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a delightful, refreshing uh, white wine on this. Late September muggy evening. I know. It's um, freaking hot today. Yeah. Um, well, let's chat let's about talk. stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I figured everyone else and their mother this past weekend shared their 9-11 reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought maybe we could talk about it um, a little bit this week. Uh, obviously, the 20th anniversary was... Uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. Did you uh, just to start it off? Did you um, did you do anything with like your family or your kids? I mean, your son, your kid, your son is a little bit younger than mine, and probably maybe not ready to understand that stuff. But my kids actually learned; they talked about it in school on Friday, and so we had some conversations. What was the? How did you approach it on uh, Saturday? Ooh. We haven't talked about it. It's not. I don't know. I think they. I think they are a little too young to process what it all means. Um, but you know, we did. Saturday was a busy day. Um, it's funny. I remember. I remember. I was back working on the hill in 2011 for the 10th anniversary, and um, I can't remember what day of the week that that fell on. It was a weekday because I was at work, but it was eerily very, very similar weather to. September 11th, 2001. And I remember thinking on Saturday, it was a little warmer because, and obviously we were here and not in DC, but it was a little bit warmer, but it felt like the weather felt very similar to that day too, even though it was here and not in DC. So I kept on thinking about that all day long, but um, no, we, we made sure we had our flag outside. Um, You know, more and I watched some of the coverage in the morning on good morning America and some of the moments of silence um, I try not to watch too much of too much of that just because I was getting a little, I don't know, it was, you know, it's a, it's a tough way to start the day. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe next year Teddy's ready to be taught or will be ready to talk about it or learn about it. I don't think they discussed it in school. Um, or, I mean, they didn't mention it if they did, but um, <coughs> well, how, mean, did they, how did your, how did your kids at school like bring it up with them? Well, my daughter watches, they, they do a, a daily like CNN 10. It's like news for kids. Oh yeah. And they, um, they watch it every day and they brought it up. And so I think they talked about it and I think they just, you know, they understood the sort of the big picture, um, of like the facts of what happened. Um, but I don't know that like they, they really understood sort of the, the shock of, of that day. Like I was trying to put it in context of, so it would have been like my daughter's 10. So it would have been like something for me that happened in 1968. If when I was at 10, so maybe like Vietnam Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't know. I, I, and Vietnam was more prolonged. It wasn't just this like, you know, day that, that stretched, you know, seem seemingly for weeks, but, um, I, yeah, I mean, we watched some footage, um, 
and I think you know they ask a lot of questions and yeah. they you know it, it it it's kind of it's kind of um, we've talked about it before. Uh, uh, I I don't know if you'd say call it poetic or maybe um, bad poetry, but like you know we've been talking about Afghanistan for the last couple episodes, and now right. we're coming up on the nine eleven anniversary. It all kind of dovetails into each other. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, I was reading an article by Bill, uh, Bill Crystal, how he says he was saying that nine 11 now feels like historical. It doesn't necessarily feel like for the longest time it felt we were still in the moment and the, yeah. and, and the, the fallout from nine 11. Mm-hmm. But he says, thinking about nine 11 now and seeing everything that, that is cover its coverage. It definitely feels like it's moved to the history books as opposed to like still something that's unfolding. Yeah. Um, it's impact the day. Um, it's, it, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it was, well, I mean, here, here, what, what happened? What were you doing that day? That's a, um, I was in DC. Yeah. I was yeah. I, before before you go ahead, I I know like um, neither of us have particularly traumatic uh, experiences of that day, right? I mean, it was it was shocking, and I mean, neither of us were in super danger. I mean, I guess looking back, we know that neither of us were in super danger. You, I guess, maybe were in more danger than might me, but um, you know. Uh, w- we're not going to be telling stories of like harrowing escapes or anything. Oh, no, but, no, no, no. But, um, you know, it is, I'm always interested to hear, we were both in the city, so I, it's always yeah. interesting to hear where people were on that day and what, when they heard about it. it. It's, it's funny. It's funny coincidences. Like when I was, um, not coincidences, but just moments I was, I remember cause I was living in Alexandria, Virginia and I would get on 395 to go towards DC and, and go to work. And, uh, of course there's, bumper to bumper traffic like there always is going into town from there and um i did i use sometimes i use this little cut through um which actually takes you past that south wall of the pentagon and you actually go around the pentagon parking lot and then Mm -hmm. you catch um the gw parkway to get back onto 395 and you you avert you kind of get around i don't know maybe a quarter mile of traffic but it actually makes a pretty big difference because as you get onto the at the 14th street bridge it starts to move a little bit easier. Did that cut through go by Barf Pony's practice space, where uh, we would eventually? Uh, uh, <laughs> the opposite is on the other side of the highway. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Um, but uh, I remember I did I did that, and and of course the Pentagon hadn't been hit yet. But I as, I was late for work, and that's why I did that. And I I heard about the first plane hitting uh, the, the the North Tower, um, in the car in the car as I was getting ready to park and go up to my office. And at that point they were still saying it was like a twin engine plane Cessna, and yeah. yeah, Cessna. I was like, Oh God, like everybody else. I was like, what a terrible accident. So I got into my office in the Russell Senate office building when I was working for Senator McCain and, um, in our, the suite that I was in on in the Russell building was with, I was the, the legislative correspondent for the defense and foreign policy team. So we had a military legislative assistant, a foreign policy legislative assistant, an F 18, Rio, who was a captain or a lieutenant commander of the Navy at that time, but he was our fellow who was doing a year fellowship with us, and then me. And they had the TV on, and I walk into the office, and I put down my bag, I go, that's a pretty damn big hole for it to be a twin-engine plane. And they were still doing it. And within a couple minutes after that, or I don't know how much longer after that, that's when you literally, I was watching CNN, you see that second plane hit the South Tower. Yeah. Uh, and we were like, and all of us were like, holy shit, like collectively. So um, I can't remember how much longer after that um, we actually heard the boom from the explosion at the Pentagon. And that's when Capitol Police was like, all right, everybody needs to evacuate. McCain came into our little, Senator McCain came into our little suite. And he was, I'll never forget it. He was eating, I think, a donut or a Danish of some kind. And he was like, boys, what do we do? And our our military fellow was like, well, sir, I think we should probably you know, evacuate. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I, I'm fine here. 
he's and he referenced you know being a prisoner of war for five and a half years getting you know the crap kicked out of him and how nothing was gonna scare him at this point um but they of course capitol police insisted so we all kind (laughs) of exited the building where'd you go well that there's that senate uh, upper senate park that's right next to the russell send office building that is actually directly across the street from the capitol building and that's where they just sent us all and we're like standing yeah. in this field basically <laughs> like, how is this safer than being in, in the building like sitting senators were standing in the field yeah and all the reports yeah. were i mean obviously we knew at that point it was terrorism we we heard uh through the cops the capitol police that the pentagon had been hit there was all these rumors about car bombs at the State sure, Department yeah. and Treasury and that uh, the White House was under attack. Like there was some scary stuff getting spreading around. And then we were told, you know, and then at that point we saw um, F-15s, I believe, or F-16s buzz the Capitol, like hauling ass down the mall. And, um, <sighs> and of course, they went supersonic. So you heard the boom you know, of them breaking the sound barrier, like, you know, in not very high altitude. So they were just above us. And um, we just assumed that they were hauling ass to go intercept flight or United at flight 93. Um, so, well, that's what we assume after the fact. But right. Um, I just remember too, like uh, Lieutenant Commander Del Bull. He was our he was our fellow. I think he reached uh, the rank of captain before he retired. But um, he was the, an F-18 Rio I've never seen more anger in somebody's face. He he was just pacing back and forth out in that park. Like I'm in the wrong uniform. I'm in the wrong uniform. I need to be in a jet. Like he was just like angry. Um, and somehow we got put on Senator John Warner, who is um, the armed Senate armed services committee chairman from Virginia. Somehow we got put on him as his like de facto staff. Cause everybody scattered. So there was like a few of us from McCain's office that were just following Senator Warner around. We were just trying to find his chief of staff to hand him off and, and press were swarming him because he was armed services committee chairman. McCain went to an apartment uh, for, of one of our health, of one of our legislative assistants on, who lived on Capitol Hill to do press calls. And like, we just kind of, after we finally found Warner's staff, we just were like, all right, what do we do now? Because everybody was trying to evacuate. Everybody was trying to get in their cars and go home. And when that many people are leaving all at the same time, nobody goes anywhere. Right. So we found uh, we went to the Hotel George, which is right over there by Union Station. And sat at the bar and watched the coverage <laughs> watched until the until it. And we didn't like. I think looking back, like we knew that we were in. We knew we were probably in danger, but we weren't. We didn't know what it was. It was still a little abstract on what it meant, and all those rumors about the car bombs and all that stuff. And we could see the smoke from the Pentagon. You could see it clear as day because it was such a beautiful day that day. It was, you know, blue skies and no clouds in the sky at all. Mm-hmm. And um. Yeah, so finally, like around two, two p.m. maybe, maybe two thirty, we I was able. It was a, enough people had. Capitol was a ghost town by then, so I got in the car and I drove up down three ninety five, and I literally stopped. I was the only car in three ninety five, only one driving. I stopped in the middle of the highway to just look at the Pentagon, and it was just full of blaze. Burning. At that point. It was still burning. Yeah, but, you know, f- they were trying to put it out and. There's that little cliff over in Pentagon City that overlooks the Pentagon. Uh, crowds had gathered there, and there were f- American flags already hanging. Um, it was some scary stuff. It was yeah. just a surreal day, totally surreal day. Um, but that's about my experience. And I remember, like, no phone calls going out. Right. None of them coming in. Uh, the only thing that was working on the Hill were Blackberries, and only really only members of Congress and chiefs of staff had blackberries but my i remember very clearly clear as day my sister got through to my desk phone after the second plane hit and was like crying like hysterically crying tell me get out of there get out of there get out of there Mm -hmm. and um i couldn't get through to my parents until later that night to let them know everything was fine i think they i mean they knew that i wasn't really in you know big danger but yeah and you i mean i don't even think like regular phone lines were really working that well. Yeah. Everything was, everything was jammed. Right. Um, yeah. My, Oh, well, mine's not nearly, I was in DC. I had was telling you before, I had just started grad school, um, in DC about three weeks prior. Um, so I wasn't necessarily on the nine to five beat and I actually, um, woke up my two roommates worked so they were not home and i came downstairs to like 
my voicemail or my my phone had like several mess missed calls. It was blinking, and I played the messages before I did anything. And it was my mother being like, I can't remember if she left one or two, but she essentially said, it seems like, you know, America might be um, under attack or something like that. And just making sure that you're okay. Um, and I, I, I don't really recall the, I, I think the first tower had been hit. I don't think the second one had been hit. It may have been hit. You know, it's hard to remember exactly how it unfolded um, if I turned on the TV and then saw saw it happen or what. But basically, a lot of the stuff had already unfolded. Um, and then I kind of just at that point, just pretty much watched the news the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and then at and stayed in the ha- in the in the apartment. And then later that evening, um, <clears throat> when my roommates were home. Me and one of them went up to that cliff you were talking about in Pentagon City, yeah. or the hill, the hill, yeah. Um, and and, and kind of just looked at the Pentagon at night, and you could still see the flame burning, um, and the rescue operation underway. And uh, I have I have video of that somewhere, but um, yeah, I mean, it was like I think my, you know, I think pretty quickly. I don't know when Al Qaeda announced that it was them that did it. Um, I imagine it was that day at some point, Yeah, but I, ju- I just remember thinking, cause I had gone back to school to study U S foreign policy. And I just remember thinking, well, I couldn't have picked a, uh, better t- time to, to go back to get a U.S. foreign policy degree. Cause it's, um, going to be pretty important, <laughs> be pretty, pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I, it was crazy. Just like, you know, I remember thinking, uh, and this is sounds flippant now, but like MTV was airing news of the, um, the, the, the bombing or the, the attacks and, yeah. and like ESPN was showing yeah. news of the attacks. And it was, it was the first time in my life that I can recall anything that sort of everyone focused was focused on the same thing. Maybe, maybe the OJ chase. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the, or the slow car, slow car chase for OJ. Chase, yeah. But, but I mean, obviously this was much more uh, uh, dramatic and, and impactful and meaningful and horrific. Um, the You know, one thing that didn't exist before nine eleven that ex- is is ubiquitous now is the scroll. I don't know if you recall that the news scroll at the oh bottom. the news scroll oh um yeah I remember I it is that yes if you go back and look at TV prior to nine eleven there's hardly ever scrolls but then mm-hmm. you know that was how they were getting updates throughout the day as they yeah. basically showed rescue efforts was the scroll at the bottom. And now, you know, every channel uses it and has all sorts of um, graphics on the bottom and the side of channels as well. Um, a, a, a little minor trivia for those, but um, yeah, the scroll came about that day. Uh, but I think, I think it was, it was just like, I don't know, welcome to adulthood for me. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I had never, I don't think really dealt with anything like that in my life. Yeah. And um, the guy I was living with at the time, one of his fraternity brothers um, was in one of the towers and died. Oh, so God. he was pretty distraught over, um, and we were a year plus out of college. So, you know, still a young guy. Um, yeah, my sister, um, she knew a guy from Vandy who was also another, another fraternity guy who she was friends with, who was in, in one of the towers and died. And thank, I mean, you know, thankfully I didn't, I didn't lose anyone that day, but just, I, I, it's just hard to translate that Mm -hmm. to my kids. And I don't know that I'll ever be able to. And I don't know if I want to. There was a, 
I was watching some of there's God, I didn't realize like how many until this anniversary, how many documentaries have been made about nine 11 in various, you know, formats and perspectives, but history channel was showing one the other night about, um, I can't remember the title of it. It was like um, 9-11, I was there or something like that. And they were followed mm-hmm. five or six different um, people who happened to be documenting. Like some of them were actual documentary filmmakers. Mm. Some of them were photographers. One was a family, actually, all in New York. Um, one set was film students, and they were living in lower Manhattan, not too far away from the tower. So they watched from their apartment window everything mm. happen. But one of them was a family. They were visiting from California. I can't remember their name, but um, they were sightseeing and they were in Central Park and they were walking south towards lower Manhattan and it all happened. And it was this husband and wife and their two kids, younger boy and girl. I think the little boy might have been eight and the girl might have been, I don't know, 10. Um, But they watched it completely unfold and they got close enough to when the towers came down, they got covered in ash and Mm. soot and all that. And to learn, I thought about, it made me think about how, what was going through that kids, that those, those two kids' minds watching all that and experiencing that and choking on that dust mm-hmm. and debris. And, um, at one point only one tower had come down and the little, the little boy started crying to his dad saying, I don't want the other building to fall. I don't want the other building to fall. And then of course, so within 10 minutes it fell again, it fell. Yeah. And I just... If that had been me, if I had been that little boy, I would have had nightmares forever. I mean, just to experience that at such an age, at such a young age and not fully understand why it was happening or how it was happening. His dad, you know, to his credit, was trying to to explain it to him in ways that he would understand. But I, I don't think any kid is really that capable of understanding all the nuance and sort of, you know, geopolitical and, you know, uh, yeah, military <laughs> aspect. Like it just. It's yeah, it's. it's I mean, it, it would have to be an overwhelming experience. I mean, I was so I, when I was watching some of the, the stuff with the kids, like, you know, a lot of it was footage or mm-hmm. uh, like live footage or audio from that day. And still to this day, like when in the when they when you see those towers start to come down, like, yeah, it is just. I mean, it's amazing. It's yeah. in a bad, I mean, in a horrible way, but in just like a completely unreal way yeah. that you see, like, you just think about everything that was going on then. And, and, um, it's just overwhelming, like you said. And it's overwhelming for me as an adult. And like you said, yeah. I can only imagine uh, something like that for a kid. The other thing that was, um, and maybe 20 years on and being a parent, which was, um, uh, on September 11th this year, I, I did was I read the transcript of um, uh, was it Todd Beamer? Todd Beamer, um, yeah. Todd been, Beamer making the rounds, um, yeah. Um, of his call with like the 911 911 dispatcher, I think is who he mm. called because he had a cell phone, and you know when that moment when he realized that they had to do something because. Mm you know, and that he had to say his goodbyes and had to ask the dispatcher to, to basically, you know, tell his, his young kids, he, he loves them and is proud of them. And, you know, like, it's just, those people showed such heroism um, and, and, and saved, I mean, it sounds like the Capitol was, was, um, evacuated, but I'm sure there were people still in it. Yeah. And um, if they had been going to the Capitol, who knows how many they would have taken out. Um, and so it, it, it yeah, I, it, it's uh, just, just, you know, it's, and I don't know that America, you know, I think in the after, immediate aftermath of, of 9-11, I think we felt like we were acting, we were responding appropriately, and I don't know how we would have responded differently, but yeah. looking looking back after 20 years now, I'm not sure America is, is I, I, I can think of ways we probably should have done some things better. 
You're talking about um, just in response, like military-wise and... Just overall, I mean, having been a part of national security bureaucracy, you know, I mean, the DNI was built out of 9-11. Um, DHS yep. was built out of 9-11. Oh, yeah. Not sure you can say that those are maybe constructed the best ways. Yes, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously, obviously, Afghanistan was an initial response, but I think, you know, Iraq was the response as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we, it, um, and you know, we've, we've let, I think, um, some of the fears that, that were caused by nine 11 kind of, I, th- I, I think you see some of that today in in sort of how the country thinks about the world and, and, our role in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I saw, I did read an article and, and, you know, there were tons of retrospectives and commentaries about nine 11 on the 20th anniversary, but one of them was titled bin Laden one, because they were making the argument that, um, his goal was to reduce America's influence. And, you know, you can make the argument that, America and Western ideals are on the, are on the downswing Mm -hmm. and, you know, it would be terrible if bin Laden won, but, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, so a somber politics and bros moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I don't know how you else you talk about about nine yeah. eleven. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah. now we'll have a twenty foot. I feel like the anniversary is like I definitely remember one year after nine eleven. Yeah. I was actually in I was actually in China one year after nine eleven, so that was weird. Um, and then I remember five years. Um, don't really remember ten years like you did but 20 years. Now I feel like there'll probably be a 25. It's like anniversaries are like 20, 25, what then 50. Yeah. 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 25 Um, will be the next big one. 50 will be crazy. It'll be like, I think Pearl Harbor. In addition to like, you know, commenting on the weather on the 10th anniversary that time. And I was back sitting in the Russell, I was back sitting in the Russell Senate office building because the, the member that I was working for, that's where his office was. And all the other staffers who are younger than me and are, you know, I, it was, I was a senior staffer and then our legislative director was in there and we were both on the Hill on 9-11 and these younger staffers was like, what was it like? Like what, what, like they wanted to hear about that. Um, and I don't think anybody wants to hear about it anymore mm-hmm. um, or hear about it as much. They're not as curious about, it. like you said, I think, I think Bill Crystal's Smooth probably right because, you know, the play, I, you know, uh, Ground Zero was cleaned up in nine months. Um, basically, construction was beginning immediately to rebuild. You know what that was. I think was still still to be determined. But you know the Freedom Tower is now in its place, and now there's a museum, mm-hmm. and that's completed. So all these boxes have been checked off to basically put it into the history books. So I think he's probably right. I think nobody's as curious about it because. We've been fixed. I don't know if we've been healed as a country, but we've been fixed more or less. Um, you know, you would people would never know that there were there are people who would never have known that there were two buildings standing in Lower Manhattan, and now there's only the one that got built afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, I think he's probably right that it's it's a history it's a history thing now. Yeah, um, which is strange for people who live in it, but I mean, I'm sure people go through that all the time with crazy events like you know kennedy's assassination and yeah. pearl harbor at some point it passes into the history books yeah but it, it does not it still boggles the mind my mind though that there are still 9-11 conspiracy theorists out there and um i don't know if you had a marjorie taylor green crazy of the week <laughs> i don't but she was on uh she gave some sort of comment or statement on via uh, via video and I, it ended up on twitter how uh, she put air quotes around planes hitting the Pentagon. Oh, um, really? Because there was that big conspiracy theory that it was actually like a cruise missile fired by an American um, military jet or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, 
so there's your Marjorie Taylor uh, Green crazy <laughs> week where she thought. I'm it glad was. you provided it, not me. Yeah, but um, I I think about um and what why I get so angry about that is I not not the day so the day after September on September twelfth. I was invited to go have dinner at the girl I was dating at the time. Her parents, she was local. Her mom and dad lived in McLean. So they had, they, they wanted me to come have dinner with them. So I said, sure. So I, I got in the car and I drove and nobody went to the office that day, obviously. So uh-huh. I took that 395 and actually the GW Parkway that goes right by the South wall of the Pentagon that was on fire was still open. Uh, or it was open at that point, allowing people to drive through, but they still had military police, routing people and i got all turned around and somehow i ended up in the pentagon parking lot staring directly at an american airlines tailpiece or what was left of one so when i think about the people who are like that wasn't really a plane there's no way a plane could have done that i i it's burned into my memory seeing that american airlines logo on a charred piece of metal that was once I think it was probably part of the tailpiece of a of a freaking airliner. Well, and what and about the and then, what about uh, the people who were on flight the flight who died and lost true. loved ones? Like, oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, like there's so many ways to disprove. Oh, they're in that, a CIA that. black site. That's where those people are. They're alive. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's the other conspiracy um, theory. Yeah. Well, you know. But yeah. I just I just can't believe some of these people who who try and. Because it, it, it tears those, the families who lost people in that terrible way, it just tears them apart when, when especially a person who is an elected member of Congress makes such dumb and bullshit statements like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it, you, you, you don't want to give those type of things even sort of oxygen to, no. to breathe. Um, and it's, it's sad because like, I was listening to uh, an NPR story about, and they were doing it in the run up of of the 20th anniversary, and they were actually in Pakistan and um, talking to people about Bin Laden there, and and they were they were quite sympathetic views to Bin Laden, and some of them were saying uh, America did it to itself, so it could attack you know Muslim mm-hmm. countries. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, the, uh, I'm like, so basically Americans sound like crazy Pakistanis now, right. um, espousing the same, same, um, conspiracy theories. But anyway, uh, that's all I got on nine yeah. 11. We talked a while about it. Um, I hope people, just don't to add ever, a- I hope people don't ever forget. I hope they always remember every single year, but I think it's important yeah. for. I think it's there were a lot of heroes that day, and and um, actually, my daughter was like, "What?" She was like, "Would you have rushed the cockpit?" Because I was telling her about then flight ninety three, and mm-hmm. and I was like, "I I can't say I w- I don't know what I would do in that situation." Yeah. Like, I would like to think I would do something like that. I mean, Donald Trump said he would he would run in and and try <laughs> to stop a, a school shooting. So you know. I just going to follow his lead and, and hope that I can be as good a man as, as he, <laughs> he is. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, it, 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 it does give you that. Um, I don't know. Inspires you that, you know, what people are capable of in such horrific moments that like yeah. people can rise up. Um, the other thing real quickly is, I mean, imagine if 9-11 happened like tomorrow, America would not, I don't think America would come together like it did in 2001. Yeah. Um, I mean, we basically had uh, a scientific 9-11 the last year and a half and look what it's done to, to America. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, I think George W. Bush gave a great speech at the, um, uh, in Pennsylvania at the site of the, flight 93 shanksville yeah shanksville and you know all these people have been shitting all over it ever since it was a very good speech with a very good message but for some reason uh it it's it it struck a chord in a bad way with a lot of these you know hardcore conservatives and even these hardcore liberals who just want to tear them down or tear down george w bush for being president during a time and dealt a really crappy hand as president in his first year you know as president 
Yeah. But yeah. maybe I give too much credit, but anyway. Um well let's switch gears a little switch. bit. Um are you do you have it on your phone? I got it right now. Pulling? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was on the New York Times reading um, the New York Slimes liberal uh, injection into my veins to get my talking points. Um, and I came across You're, get, this you're getting horny to read it while you're reading uh, Paul, mm-hmm. Paul Krugman. Yeah, exactly. If America had six parties, which would you belong to? And so it's a quiz. It's a 20-question quiz. Um, and it places you within a party, basically saying the two-party system um, clearly doesn't represent enough, you know, you, it's, it's not really working great as we can tell it, it tends to polarize people at one end or the other. So what would, what, and, and they, they use some rigor to sort of create these parties based on, I guess, polling and voting, voting sort of patterns. Um, and I thought it would be fun to take it and, and then see what you got as well. Of course, now, having seen what you got and what I got, it's not quite as exciting. <laughs> well, it's, we're, at, we're we're basically the same person. But what are you gonna say? Well, let's 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 kind of tell everybody what this is. So, if you yeah. if you have a if you have the New York Times on your iPhone or iPad or whatever, it's um. I can post the link to our Twitter page yeah, too. It was yeah. on September eighth. It came out. The quiz says, "If America had six parties, which one or which would you belong to?" And these are the six parties that they came in. We'll start from. The political spectrum going left to the right side. So on the far left, prog- the Progressive Party, then the American Labor Party, then the New Liberal Party, and those are the three that would be considered the subsets of the Democrats. Well, it's and an X and Y axis, so it's yeah. it's not just yeah, it's economically right. conservative and socially conservative. Right. So, yeah. And then the other side is Patriot, Growth and Opportunity Party, and then Christian Conservative. So those are they. So they say uh, the Progressive Party, uh, you know, those are the AOCs, Elizabeth Warrens, and that makes up about 14% of the electorate. Mm-hmm. And then the new Liberal Party is the Pete Buttigieg's, uh, Cory Booker's, Beto O'Rourke's. Uh, it's the largest, actually, um, or it would be the best fit for 26% of the electorate. And then American Labor Party is your John Testers, your Sherrod Browns, and your Tim Ryans. That's twelve. They would say that's the best fit for twelve percent of the electorate. And then, growth and opportunity party. Those are your Larry Hogan's, John Kasich's, Mitt Romney's. Um, best fit for fourteen percent of the electorate. The Patriot Party is <laughs> Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Tucker Carlson, and Donald Trump. Fourteen um, percent of the electorate is the best fit for that. And then the Christian conservatives are like Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, uh, Tim Scott, Mike Pompeo, which I don't know if I agree with Mike Pompeo, but that's the best fit for 20% of the electorate. So those are the six. Anyway, uh, do you want to – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. What are you? I was going to say, where did you end up? So I ended up on the Growth and Opportunity Party, which mm-hmm. I think is probably pretty accurate, of the Charlie Hogan – who, as everybody knows, is the governor of Maryland. Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan, sorry. I was reading Charlie Baker next. Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland. Charlie Baker, the governor of Massachusetts. Mitt Romney, senator from uh, Utah. John Kasich, former governor of Ohio. And it actually has Michael Bloomberg in here, um, former mayor of New York and Mm -hmm. political (laughs) flip-flopper. Extraordinary. Because I think he's been a member of every single party, including the independents. Um, But these are the ones that it's... um, they call it the East Coast wing of the GOP. These are the people that uh, believe in economic prosperity, that the wealthy spurns innovation. Um, they're not really ideologues when it comes to social issues, but they are certainly fiscal conservatives. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's a pretty fair representation, fair representation of where I would be um, on this. I- yeah, and I I would say looking at your where you your dot landed though mm-hmm. you're actually um, your results were less economically conservative than than where that the growth and opportunity plots on the X Y right 
Well, I, I think I, I think so, but only because um, some of the questions are pretty. They're they're interesting, but there's I I don't know. I think I kind of see a lot more nuance. And you know, it's some of the questions were kind of you had a binary choice of one or the other, and then the other, then there were some that sure. were like, yeah, I mean, strongly agree, somewhat agree, don't agree at all, or or no neutral, and then somewhat disagree and to- and completely disagree. So yeah, well, not shockingly, I plotted out less economically conservative and less socially conservative than you, mm-hmm. but not. Not by a huge margin, um, and it did put me as well in the growth and opportunity party. Um, although I, tr- I, I think the like triangulation to like growth and opportunity and American labor, it, and and then if you throw in the new liberal party, they're all kind of. I mean, the, I'm close, close to. I'm I'm almost equidistant to all three. Yeah. Um, which is fine because I'm not. I wouldn't say that I want. I, I think any party has like the right ideas on everything, right? Um, and it's not surprising for someone like me who, who, is more concerned about the process and the debate and sort of talking about it and getting to um, sort of the best uh, compromise answer rather than being extremely uh focused on one on on sort of particular um policies i mean i think the only the only uh answer on the quiz that i put like like strongly agree on any of them or something was the the gun the gun control laws Mm. i think that and i think i've mentioned that on this podcast that's really the only policy um that i'm kind of uh actually passionate about um, but, um, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept of like, you know, what if there were six parties, I think you still see on this plot that the three, what you would call democratic Democrat parties and the three Republican parties are still quite a bit far apart. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And you and I are both kind of right in the middle there um again not maybe not surprisingly uh uh but i mean i think if i were to pick you know kind of if i had to pick the top three parties that i wish would come out of this i would probably obviously say the growth and opportunity party um probably like the american i mean for me the american labor party and I think, you know, I would say probably the new liberal party, but I could see a strong argument for the Christian conservative party because you'd want them, you want them to be represented. Yeah. Definitely not the Patriot party and definitely not the progressive party. Yeah. It's, I do find it funny. That, so the questions, there's 20 questions that you answer. And um, <laughs> one of like, one of the benchmark questions for the social conservative, it's, it's a, it's one of the few that's a binary choice. It's uh, should same sex marriage be legal? And it's just yes or no. It's, yeah, and I, I was like, is that is that really still one of the questions that we that one of the requirements to be a social conservative is is one of those is the answer to that? That just, I mean, I said yes, it should be, oh, it should always remain legal. But I mean, there are plenty of people that I think see that as yeah. As, oh, I don't doubt it. Know, yeah, um, I mean, to me, it's like it's a settled issue and um but yeah i think i mean i think you you put you put no there and you're automatically in one of two parties oh, that's true that's on that's here. right yeah that's actually a really um, good point um and uh you know you're way up the social conservative um uh axis there um but it's it, i don't know it's an interesting exercise and um it just makes you think about, you know, where you fall and what maybe you know you prioritize as, a, as an as a citizen. Yeah, there, I mean, some of these like one of the like question eleven is um, American society sy- uh, systematically advantages white people. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
I think I I think I put somewhat disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had uh, an important reason some people are poor is because the economy is unfair. Mm-hmm. I think I put somewhat agree to that because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of nuance. And then sure. Uh, question 14 is racial minorities have mostly fair opportunities to advance in the United States today. And I put somewhat agree to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, yeah, I think these questions are actually really good. The more I think about it, I think they kind of touch on the nuance. And if you're willing to be honest about how you feel about the questions, you should be able to find the answer that suits you. Yeah. And um, I think it's also how you, how you interpret the question yeah. too. Like, I, I don't think, know. I don't think this country, I don't think there is, I don't buy into the systemic racism thing, but I do believe there are obstacles that exist for black and brown people to advance. Mm-hmm. Um, I might disagree with peop- some people on how big those obstacles are, but they, the point is that they do exist. I just don't think it's necessarily a systemic thing it's not something that's built into the dna of our country um well you would say that you racist (laughs) thanks um (laughs) but so but my point being is that i think these questions kind of recognize that there are people who feel that way too and he's accounted for yeah um lee drutman is the guy who came up with this um these questions this quiz um so yeah i I I thought it was an interesting exercise yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you raise that about systemic racism, I mean, that, that is, uh, on a, it's not science. So it's not something that sure. someone can tell you you're absolutely wrong or you're absolutely right about that. So, and it is a good weather vane for kind of how you see, um, America progress, uh, institutions, the role of, of government, um, the power of the individual versus the power of uh, uh, systems. So, um, I, I think it's a valuable, valuable question. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I, I liked doing it and made me think and I encourage anyone to do it as well. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 one thing that we we all we I'd like to, I talk about is that you know America is much more nuanced and and textured than the the two poles that end up getting um, represented in media and government and this is just another example of that of that you know yeah. it it is it you talk to most people and they're not going to be on one of those top right or top left they're going to be somewhere in the middle yeah and we have we have a lot more in common uh, or closer than we are on a lot of issues than we actually think um, uh, we might be. And I think this exercise proves it. So everyone go out, do it and encourage others to do it. Although I imagine a lot of people won't go on the times because they, they, maybe we should, maybe we should see if the New York post will put up this. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, or the Washington times. Yeah. I was gonna say the New York post would need some sort of like um, pun to, to, for it to be, to be on there. I'll think of one and post it when I, on the Twitter, but that's funny. anyway, fun exercise. That's, that's all, that's all we got for tonight. Yeah. Thanks for sending that to me. I actually, I really enjoyed it. I made me think, did you, did your wife do it? No, but she was like, uh, today when I was trying to, so I, 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 I didn't have a New York times subscription. So you got me, if this was some, you know, elaborate trick to get me to give the New York times money, you succeeded. <laughs> Because uh, I did get the basic uh, ninety nine cents for like a uh, uh, three weeks or something. Yeah, I mean, my wife, ha- my wife has a has a subscription, so I probably could have just used her account. Oh, okay. but I was like, forget it, I'll just do it. But um, yeah, uh, I was telling her what we were doing, and she thought it was a pretty cool um, topic. And I think uh, I'll forward it to her and see if she'll take it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we went on longer than I thought we would tonight. Yeah. Um, but topics. you know, you get us pontificating on nine 11 and with a little white wine, you never know what you're going to get. Um, are you into anything? Uh, yeah, I'm into betting on NFL football. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> now back. back. Yeah. Um, and losing. 
you know, I, I think I told you about that, that saints. Oh, um, you did. You did. Yeah. So the, basically the worst case scenario happened for me, um, which was the saints one, but, um, you know, got, now I just got to bet more to win it back. So I'll be doing that for the rest, for the next 16 weeks. Um, but it's nice to have football back. I will say that I've even been watching some college football this year. Um, so nice to have all those it, it, full stadiums, college football, tailgating, NFL football. It's nice for it all to be back and that I can gamble on it in a free country like America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about awesome. yourself? Same thing. Now that I'm just ba- I'm just happy that college football's back. Um, actually, I, I did enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed the Rams Bears game last mm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, well played. I, I thought it was an awesome game. It, it was fun seeing Matt Stafford. Uh, in, it looked like he was enjoying himself. I feel like every time I saw him playing when he was with the Lions the last few seasons, it just didn't look like he was having a whole lot of fun. Um, right. Of course, that's just me, my opinion. I have no idea how he really felt. But um, he was like grinning ear to ear in the post-game interview, and it showed how much fun that game was. I feel bad. I'm sorry the Bears lost. My family here will be mad at me for not you know, being upset more, but it was just a good game. I enjoyed watching it. And I've watched a lot of great college football already in the first two weeks. Um, that's just made it, made it feel so much better, so much more normal, um, than it, than it has in, in a year and a half. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, all right, well, let's thanks. get out of here. Yeah. Thanks man. Uh, follow us on Twitter at bros politics. Listen to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. Uh, and hopefully we're going to get to go to a casino at some point and place real live bets in a sports I was going to say, I'll teach you how to sports bet, finally. Love so. it. I'm in. All right. Thanks, bud. Later. Good night.